Hello, I'm Alison Hilliard and welcome to The Word, the series where we invite our guests to talk about their lives through the lens of their favourite passages from the Bible. For the first time ever today, my guest on The Word is neither a Christian nor someone from a Christian background. He is, in fact, a Muslim who's been described as Islam's biggest rock star by Time magazine. The Guardian newspaper called him the most famous British Muslim in the world. Brought up in a musical family, he trained in classical and folk instruments from an early age. At 23, he released his first album. He sold millions of records worldwide, and today he attracts a huge international following. Many of his songs have a spiritual message of peace and sacred trust among all faiths. He calls himself a messenger of love. He is, of course, the British-Iranian singer, songwriter, composer and musician, Sami Youssef. Sami, you're very welcome as our guest on The Word. Thank you so much for having me. Sami, you were born in Tehran to Azerbaijani parents and you grew up in London. But I have to ask you first, why, as a devout Muslim, did you want to be a guest on The Word and discuss your favourite Bible passages? Well, first of all, it's an honour. I'm by no means a scholar of religion or anything, but I do love to read. I'm a humble student. And I know that the striking commonalities for me that are meaningful are the intellectual truths. And that's what I really found appealing in doing this interview. And how did you get to know the Bible well enough to choose your favourite verses? Is it something that you read alongside the Quran and other holy books? I am a lover of the great traditions of this world, and Christianity is no exception. In primary school, I was part of the church choir. I loved that experience. And I did read the Bible and I currently have one in Sharjah, a really old one from the 19th century. And it's been drawn to the same timeless truths that have been expressed through different times, through different means, but ultimately manifestations of the same truth. Now, when would you turn to read the Bible or other holy books? Because I know you're often hopping around different continents, giving <laughs> lots of different concerts. I'm not really an academic person as such. I never really enjoyed studying at school, but I love to read, especially things that I'm drawn to, higher truth, philosophy, things that make you think. It's always been like that for me. I don't really have time for TV as such. That might sound strange. If I do get some time, I'd love to read a sermon or treatise written by some saint or great personality. Those are the things I'm drawn to. How would you say then that the Bible had influenced your lyrics and the message that comes through some of your lyrics? For me, the Bible represents the essence of Christ's message, which is one of love. In Islamic mysticism, Sufism, this is something that you find strikingly. In fact, many of the great poets, they reference Christ when it comes to love and light. It's something that is embedded from a very young age. Jesus is such an important character, as is the Blessed Virgin, Mary. But many people outside don't know how important he actually is and how respectful Muslims are of Christ and his message. So let's hear then the first passage you've chosen, and it's from the Gospel according to Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, and it's read for us by the actor David Suchet. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, 
The one who seeks, finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, why have you chosen that passage? It's a beautiful passage. And there's a beautiful Hadith Qudsi, which in Arabic means the sayings of God through the mouth of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. The scripture goes, walk to me and I'll find you. And it's quite long, but essentially it resonates with me very strongly. You find the same, almost identical line in the Islamic tradition. Do you think that we always get what we ask for and we always get what we seek for? I don't think that we always get what we ask for in the literal sense. As the Qur'an says, and I'm sure all the great religions, there may be things that we think are good for us, but actually they're not. And things that we think are bad for us, and actually they are indeed good in the long run. Ultimately, when you ask God for something, it's answered in different ways. But in the end, hopefully the result is what one expects, one wants. What might you have asked for, for example? I've always asked God to be close to him. I've always been a little bit of a peculiar child. You know, I've always been a bit strange. I've never wanted to follow fads. I've always wanted, and I still want, proximity. And it's possible to do it. Even though we live in the modern world, there's the hustle and bustle of daily life. It's not easy. But with grace and help and remembrance and training and meditation, it's possible. Have you ever knocked on a door and it's been firmly closed in your face? Yes, yes. That does happen and one has to have faith, one has to be strong and to understand ultimately good will come out of it. There have been times when I've been faced with a difficult circumstance. I asked for something and it was closed. Like for example, when I was working on my third album, I had become extremely popular to the point where people were knocking on my door and saying, I just came from Algeria just to see you. And I became greedy. I thought to myself, well, okay, I've cracked the Muslim world, now I want to crack the Western world. And I want to conquer the world and become this famous musician and singer. I tried it, I met several managers here, and it was one of the worst experiences I ever had. When facing a tribulation or a difficulty, people are often closer to one another. There's usually more love and understanding and warmth and kindness. But when in prosperity and success in worldly terms, we're more reclusive. We don't talk to each other. It's more individualistic. Christ says, blessed are the poor. He's talking about spiritual poverty. In Islam, they call that faqir, somebody who's poor. Not physically, but spiritually. I'm very grateful that didn't work. It put me into debt. It caused a lot of trouble, you know. Looking back at that now, it was a mercy from God. I was saved. Let's turn then to your next passage, and it's again from the Gospel according to Matthew. This time it's from chapter 6, verses 19 to 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What would you say your highest treasure is? It's my love of God, my love of the sacred and proximity. I feel it more than other times. Sometimes I'm weaker in terms of my faith, an ongoing journey and struggle. But those moments when I feel very close to him, 
are very dear to me, very powerful. As a Muslim, we believe in exactly the same thing. In the Quran, there is an ayah, رَبَّنَا عَتِينَ فِي الدُّنْيَا حَسَنَةٍ وَفِي الْآخِرَةِ حَسَنَةٍ وَغِنَا عَذَابَ النَّارِ Which basically means, oh God, give us good in this life and good in the hereafter. It doesn't really matter for me whether I have worldly success or not. What does matter is protecting my heart, the kingdom within. That's important. I know that you've come in for some criticism from Islamic figures in Britain and abroad who've been critical of your pop star status. Does the criticism that you might be demeaning Islam hurt? I'm not interested as such in what people think about me what they say about me, when they praise me, I try to not allow it to get to my head because it's very easy to get into that kind of dangerous zone of delusions of grandeur, I'm on a mission, God chose me and I'm going to change the world. I'm just a humble artist, you know, I love my work. Singing is secondary, I love it. And music is an extension of who I am. And my love of the religions and the great traditions and Christianity being no exception is something that is part and parcel of who I am. Some people say, why do you talk so much? You know, Why do you talk about the religions? I can't help it. I want people to know. It's preposterous to think there's only one way to God. That's what concerns me, my own kind of integrity and staying true to myself. Let's listen then to the next biblical passage you've chosen, and it's from the Gospel according to Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 to 14. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. How would you apply that passage to your own life? Again, very close to the Sufi understanding. The way I see it is that those who do find a spiritual path and sometimes are very dogmatic and very narrow, if you like, I think that should be understood. Ultimately, all religions have an exclusivity from an outward point of view. Everyone believes they're on the right path. And I think that's also in God's wisdom. But I suppose some Christians would have a rather exclusive interpretation of that passage. They would think that the narrow gate is really only for Christians to go through who believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. Yes. How would you view that sense of exclusivity as a Muslim? Yeah, this is a really important thing that you bring up because it's part and parcel of religion, of dogma of religion. And difficult for people to understand that. Many atheists say this, well... If God existed, then why would he send so many different religions? And why is it that every religion thinks they're right and everyone else is wrong? The simple answer to this is that there is that concept of inward unity, outward multiplicity. It's in God's nature. From a Quranic perspective, this is how we would talk about the religions. Ummatil Isa, which means the people of Christ. Ummatil Muhammad, the people of Muhammad, based on revelation. It was a message sent to those people at that time, to connect with their forgotten selves as a gift. We have to be brave enough to say that my religion is right. Because religion has to have a kind of exclusivity to it. It's like a shell. It protects the inner dimension. It protects the essence. There is something that relates to this passage as well. It's so beautiful. 
that one of the companions of the Prophet Muhammad was told by the Prophet that anybody with an atom's weight of belief in God would be saved. And Abu Huraira, who was the companion of the Prophet, was so happy, he was so moved, he went into the streets and said, guys, anybody who believes in atom's weight of love of God would be saved. And the Prophet admonished him, said, well, don't say that, because if you say that, they won't pray, they won't fast, they won't worship anymore. Religion is there as a mercy for those who believe. But the metaphysical, esoteric dimension are for those who have a predisposition to that. But I suppose a danger in that interpretation would be that if you think that one religion is right at the expense of the other, it can lead to Christian interpretation saying, well, then all Muslims are wrong and they must become Christians if they are going to find true salvation to be saved. Mm. And so it leads to a sense of superiority. It doesn't lead to a sense of, of respect, which Absolutely. ultimately is what you would hope for. Yes, and I think this is the danger that many Muslims today are facing because the intellectual dimension of the Islamic faith hasn't become eclipsed, but it's damaged. This kind of outwardliness and superficiality amongst the religions is not something unique to any one religion. It's all the religions. I mean, for the first time in human history, you have militant Buddhists. They're doing really bad things, and it's not the religion. It's just the time that we're living in is a time of unintelligence, of ignorance, unfortunately. Let's move on now to another of your favourite Bible passages, again from the New Testament, this time from 1 John chapter 3, verses 17 to 18. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Now, the words and the speech of your music calls for people to love each other. And yet in this passage, we're told not to love with words or speech, but to love with actions in truth. So how do you think that Bible passage applies to your music and the lyrics you write? That's a beautiful passage. Charity or zakat is an essential teaching in Islam. And in fact, is one of the five pillars. Charity work is so important for me. Not because it's out of self-righteousness, but it's the correct thing to do, because it's connected to truth. All goodness comes from the greater good. And you've recently become a global ambassador against hunger for the UN World Food Programme. For me, tackling a problem that really is at the heart of all the problems in the world, hunger. It shouldn't exist. We're living in a time where everyone really should be looked after. We proudly say that we're living in the developed world and we're civilized and we're going forward, we're progressing as modernity loves to claim, then why is it that so many people are hungry? It's over a billion. Why? doesn't make any sense. There's enough to go around. And hunger doesn't just kill people. It kills people's souls. It kills people's spirits. So I'm very honored and, and proud to be able to do something to tackle this issue. And I really do pray from the bottom of my heart that this thing is resolved in our lifetime. How has what you've seen affected you and affected your faith? A lot. I actually didn't know what starving meant until I went to Darfur. Certain people who I saw were extremely difficult circumstances. One lady I met, she was obviously starving and her husband couldn't move. He was in bed for like eight years. He couldn't get out of the bed. And that same day, her son attempted suicide. Yet when I asked her, how are you? She looked at me and she said, Alhamdulillah, thank God. 
there's nothing to complain about. There are people who are less fortunate than us. And at that moment, I couldn't help myself. I was in tears. It reminded me how important it is to be grateful, how important it is to follow those teachings. That passage, which is so close to the teachings of the Qur'an, this is one of the reasons why Pope Francis is so important. And people are drawn to him in a way he's revived Christianity because he tries to embody and implement those fundamental kind of essential teachings of Christ, which is so beautiful and so attractive. I've heard you say that you hope that your music changes some people's lives for the better. And yet many people would see that mission as an uphill struggle to present Islam as beautiful, as promoting peace and promoting tolerance, and especially when we see the many awful atrocities happening, particularly in the Middle East with the likes of Islamic State, and that happening in the name of Islam. Yes, those people, one should be careful not to call them Islamic, at least we should say so-called Islamic, because they are a fringe group who've been getting a lot of attention what they're doing is demonic, and they need help. They're obviously not well. They don't belong to any religion. It's a group of seriously unwell people who have gathered together and are doing some terrible things. It is not a religious group. It is a group of maniacs who need help, really. I pray for them, that their hearts can soften, they can be guided, and they stop what they're doing. But there is also something that people don't want to talk about. The truth is that the media give too much attention to these people. For example, we're asked as British Muslims, why don't we go out and protest? We protest about Gaza, but why don't we protest about what's happening in Syria? Do Christians go and protest every time a far-right Christian crazy person who claims to be Christian does something awful? Do you go and protest in the street? This has nothing to do with me as a British Muslim or a human being. But on a much deeper level, there is a current, I believe, that exists, which is anti-Islamic. We have to love each other and respect each other. We have to see people for what they are and not for what we want them to be. But I suppose the time that we do live in today is a time and a digital age where you can watch somebody in the name of Islam on a video, behead somebody... Mm. And on the other hand, you will make videos in the name of Islam promoting a message of peace and a message of tolerance. Yes, but my one doesn't get that much attention, you see. I perform for hundreds of thousands of people. I've been fortunate enough. Um, I've sold over 31 million albums. But when I went to Germany, not a single journalist wanted to talk to me for my album. Why is that? What would you say then to Islamic jihadists in the Middle East if they were listening to you or even listening to your music? What would you say to them? I would say that what they are doing has no traditional legitimacy whatsoever. It does not have any orthodoxy to it at all. And this is indicative of all the modernistic and extremist trends and ideologies that have been created, which is that these people are reacting to modernity. And modernity is not me wearing an Armani jumper. Modernity is a way of looking at the nature of reality. And these people and the founders of their ideologies were basically people who were essentially fascist in approach. It does not represent a normative tradition that my parents belong to 
So those people who are trying to take this world back to the second century are working against tradition itself. Does this battle over the face of Islam and how Islam is interpreted or, or seen today, is it something that gives you sleepless nights? I believe that we have to respect people and different religions based on truth and respect them for what they are. Regarding these groups, I really pray for them. The British guy who did that terrible thing to this beautiful human being and did so much good. What is his mum thinking? We have to have hope, we have to be optimistic, we have to pray all those who believe, all those who have faith, and those who don't. Also to have positivity spread and good feelings for one another and work together. Well, let's turn to your final passage, and the final passage you've chosen is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, verses 20 to 21, talking about the coming of the kingdom of God. Once, on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. The kingdom of God is in your midst, the kingdom of God is within you. Does that fit with the previous Bible readings you have chosen with that call to, to love your brother and sister in need? Absolutely. Such a beautiful passage. There's an ayah in the Qur'an that says that God is closer to us in our jugular veins. He's both imminent and transcendent. God is within us. Truth is within us. That eternal I, because every time we say I, we're changing. But there's a divine I that we need to connect to, that eternal I that doesn't change. Religion and tradition and this passage goes against modernity because there are some things that shouldn't change. And you seem to have picked up that theme in your latest album, and I know we're going to hear a track from it called The Centre. Why am I in this place torn asunder by blight? Shown by the blades of inequity, drowned by darkness. Immersed in the turbid waters of negligence, forgetfulness. Is that the central theme where you're talking with lyrics, be in the here and now? Is that yes. what you're picking up on? Yes, the eternal now. When Christ would say, the kingdom of God is within you, everyone would have understood what he's saying. Because they were living in an ambience where the sacred was permeated. Now we need to explain. What does that mean? Because if you have to explain the teachings of Christ, it actually means that you're not getting it. You're not understanding. So it means we're not progressing, we're regressing. But yes, at the root of all things and at the heart of all the great traditions, there is that divine center, which has different names and different traditions, but it's the same center. The centre is at the heart of all truths. Sami Yusuf, thank you very much for sharing your thoughts with us and your favourite biblical passages. Thank you for having me. It's been an honour. Thank you. God bless you all. Sami Yusuf, our guest on The Word on Things Unseen, the programme for people who think there's more to life than the purely material. Things Unseen was brought to you by CTVC. In the here and now to find the key 
Center that is the center of all. 